Thank you. Good morning. Um, indeed, it is good to be home. Uh, it feels like family here at Neighborhood Church. I just spent about almost two weeks in Oklahoma, which is where I was born and raised. But coming back here, I really feel like I'm coming home. Crystal and I lived here in the Bay Area for about 20 years before we moved off to Cambodia, and we have been a part of the family at Neighborhood Church for about 12 years now. And um, so it's just great to see old and new faces and just be loved and hugged and, and refreshed. It's been a wonderful almost four weeks for me. And as, as Mark mentioned, uh, I'm heading back to Cambodia on Wednesday afternoon this week for a long flight and will arrive there on Thursday night and uh, look forward to seeing my family back in Cambodia, our family, our family uh, who live in Cambodia. This is a great chance for me to kind of update you more in an intimate detail about what's going on with us in Cambodia, the things that have happened. Mark said, I've been, I was here last year at just about this same time and uh, brought you an update that day, and it's going to be great for me to have a chance to uh, do that again for us today. Um, did you notice when Mark was reading the Bible how far out he was holding his you know, well, I have a few years on Mark, and so my arm is no longer long enough. For, so I've got my glasses here, but these are readers, and so I'm going to be putting them on and taking them off because I want to see you also. But this is going to help me stay on track and help us uh, keep our time here this morning. So our organization that we're with is called Equip Cambodia, and I think we have a little PowerPoint that is gonna, we're going to follow along here, and uh, I'll just work us through this uh, saying let's move from slide to slide. But our organization is called Equip Cambodia, and a second slide is going to show us our purpose statement is equipping Cambodia's next generation for life transformation. Uh, I mean, I, I admit I plagiarized a little bit here with that life tra transformation phrase there, but that's what it's all about, right? Um, Jesus is the only one. It doesn't matter what your economic strata, it doesn't matter your education, anything like that. Jesus is the only one that can really transform a person's life. He's done that for me. I believe he's done that for most of us who are here today, and he is doing that with our boys and with many others that we have the privilege of working with in Cambodia, equipping Cambodia's next generation for life transformation. 35% of the population of Cambodia is under the age of 25. So let that statistic kind of sink into your mind and realize 35% under the age of 25. So there's a huge demographic of young people, most of whom have not been equipped for anything that will provide them a productive means of earning a living for themselves and their families in the future. And that's why many children, many young people, wind up in crime, wind up as victims of trafficking, prostitution, doing illegal logging, gambling, whatever you may be able to think of as a way of getting money for themselves. So we want to break that trend. We want to see a generation of young people that are raised up in Cambodia who are equipped foundationally with a life transformation in a relationship with Jesus, but then also providing skills that they will be able to get jobs and provide a living for themselves and their family. So equipping Cambodia's next generation for life transformation. And God has given us a, uh, a laboratory where Crystal and myself, where we can do that in the context of our own home. The next slide um, will be a picture of our family. Uh, we have, 
the privilege of experimenting with this vision on these nine boys. Now, if you count, there are only eight there in that picture, um, but we have one set of twins, and so just add another body that looks the same as this body right here, and that's his twin brother. So God has given us the opportunity to have nine Cambodian boys live with us in our home. Now, I, when I left here just almost exactly four years ago, I had no kids. I had been married for 15 years at that time, and I, during those 15 years, I had always wondered, why don't we have kids? But God never, you know, as the Bible says, opened the womb for us, and, you know, we thought about fostering, we thought about adopting, we thought about... Um, fertilization and all that kind of stuff, but we just kind of felt like if God wants us to have kids, we'll have kids. So then I go off to Cambodia, and now I know. Now I know. I have, anybody else have nine kids? <laughs> See, I got more than all of you in just four years. <clears throat> and to add to that, I have the privilege of learning every phase of parenthood at the same time. <laughs> we have a toddler, we have teenagers, and we have 20-somethings. And if you're a parent in any of those, you know they all have issues. And, so we, and they have the same issues that American young people, that American children have. And so God's given us the privilege of having these guys live with us in our home we are mama, we are papa, that's what they have called us from day one when we met them back in 2010, and uh, that's what we continue to be for them. And they're our boys, they're our kids, and I couldn't love them any more than I would if they were the fruit of my own loins. So it's really a privilege that God has given us to, to be a family for these boys, to do this life transformation thing one-on-one, -on -one, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year with these guys. And Crystal is over there with them right now in the house and has been there with them for the, for the last month. Let me take you through a little personal uh, introduction to all of our boys. The next slide will be a boy called Mate. Um, Mate is his Cambodian name, but it's also his English name. Mate, just like the Australians say, how you doing, Mate? Okay, the same, the same name. Mate is 21 years old. And he's in 11th grade. Now, all of our boys are behind in their education because most of them did not start going to school until they moved into the orphanage where we had worked before and where we met them. So Mate is 21, but he's in 11th grade. His parents are both still living, so he is not an orphan, but they are divorced. Mate has not seen his father or heard from his father for 13 years. He has an older brother, he has a, uh, a younger sister, and a younger brother. And his mother is a poor laborer who lives most of the time in Thailand um, working as a construction worker. She's an illegal immigrant. Um, Thailand has thousands of illegal Cambodians that are living there and working there. And Mate's mother lives up there. And she has remarried, she has other children. Her current husband is not really interested in Mate and his siblings, and so Mate has little or no connection with his mom. Mate is a very intelligent young man. He is at the top of his class um, in school. He is also an excellent athlete uh, with training. I believe he could be 
uh, a skilled volleyball player and also soccer player. And after graduation, Mate hopes to come to the United States to go to college here. And uh, Brian Kalsbeek and I will actually be going on Tuesday this week to Simpson University to meet with some people up there to hopefully begin to lay the groundwork for Mate to study there when he finishes school in a couple of years. So that's Mate. All right, let's move on. Our next slide is a boy called Don. Uh, Don is 20 years old, and Don is an actual orphan. Um, both of Don's parents died of AIDS, and he has uh, a younger brother and a younger sister, and all of them were in the orphanage where we were working before, but Don is the only one that lives with us. Uh, all of our boys, with the exception of Noel, whom I will introduce to you last, because I know everybody wants to know about Noel, um, all of our boys, with the exception of Noel, are over the age of 18. Don, his goal is to become a teacher, and he wants to teach Chinese. From the time he was a little boy, he has had a fascination with Chinese. And so it's just fun how God works in the details of our lives. So who should he give, who should God give to, has, to, to Don as his mama? Crystal, who's from Taiwan. And Mandarin Chinese is her native language. And so he has opportunity to learn a little bit from from Crystal, and, uh, but he's just a great, he's a very shy boy. Uh, if you met him, he probably would hardly make contact, an eye contact with you uh, for the first while that you were with him, but a very smart young man and with lots of vision and who is planning and charting his course for his future. So uh, God has given Crystal and I the privilege of sort of guiding him in that direction. Next slide is Ricky. Ricky is our newest boy. Um, we knew him at the orphanage, but he did not come to us where we're living now until after the other boys did. Um, Ricky is 19. He is one of our twins, and uh, he is in 11th grade. And he, as I said, was the last of the older boys to join us. And so this will be his first year attending an in a private international school where we have our boys uh, studying. So he's kind of nervous. School is about to start. In fact, they just finished a summer school session, and school is about to start next week for them. So he's kind of nervous about that. I see these guys on Facebook uh, while I'm here and have opportunity to chat with them a little bit. Ricky and his brother Rod are uh, from a family of six children, and their father, who was a part of the Khmer Rouge, if you know anything about Cambodian history and the atrocities that happened, uh, in Cambodia back in the 1970s with the Khmer Rouge, Rouge this radical communist group who took power and uh, mutilated um, one-third of the population of Cambodia. Uh, their dad was a part of that regime. And um, so, but he died of cancer some years ago. Their mother, who was an Ill illiterate peasant farmer, uh, wasn't able to take care of, of the twins and their brothers and sisters, and so she put them all in the orphanage, and um, so they, that's where we met them. Uh, Ricky doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life in the future. He's still deciding about that, and uh, so we're going to help him hopefully find it is what it is that is his passion for the future. Rod, the next slide. When a funny story, when, when uh, I'm, some of you probably have twins, and so it's not funny to you, but it was funny to me. 
when we were getting ready to enroll Ricky, the boy in the previous slide, in the um, international school, we were on our way out the door to go to the school and fill out all the papers and stuff. And so as we walked out the door, it suddenly occurred to me that he needed a picture of himself. And so I said, do you have a picture? I mean, I can remember we were standing in front of the front door outside the house. Do you have a picture of yourself? And he said, I just have a picture of my brother. So he brought a picture of his twin brother, and that's the picture that's on all of his documents in his school. <laughs> you can do that when you're twins. Actually, I heard also from these two boys that when they were still living in the village with their mom, when they were just little guys, they were so poor that they had one pair of pants between the two of them. And so they would go to school on alternate days. One of them would, go to, would wear the pants and go to school today, and tomorrow, the other one would wear the pants and, and go to school, and so they would alternate that way. So God has given them an amazing blessing and privilege to live with us and go to a private school and get a good education that is going to help them into their future. Rod uh, is very special to me. Um, I developed a very close relationship with him when we were still at the orphanage, and uh, he's the most outgoing of all of our boys. If, if you came to visit us, he would, he would engage you in conversation. Uh, I'm amazed sometimes when we go to our international church where there are lo lots of Westerners that go to this church, I will see Rod talking to somebody that I don't even know. Um, he'll go up and engage them in conversation. And so consequently, his English has, has progressed a lot faster than the other boys because he's more outgoing and he likes to talk to people. He likes to practice his English. But Rod's goal for the future is to be a cook and eventually own his own restaurant. And so there's a culinary school in the city where we live that is run by the French government. And Rod has two more years of high school, but he already has his sights on going to this school where he can learn to, to cook and run a restaurant and hopefully have a restaurant of his own in the future. All right, our next slide is a young man called Marty. Uh, Marty is 23 years old, and he just graduated from 12th grade. Uh, he finished his exams uh, while I've been here, and uh, I heard that they went well, and so Marty is looking forward to what's next for him, and hopefully that will be to go to a university in the city where we live where he will study accounting and finance. Uh, he has a good brain for numbers and uh, has an interest in finance and accounting, and so he'll go to the university there and study. Marty, by the way, um, comes from a poor family where he has an older brother and a younger sister. We know his sister, but I have never met his brother. Uh, next slide is a guy called Steve. And some of you may know about Steve. Steve is 25 years old. He is a true orphan. His, um, his father died of AIDS and... His mother was trying to provide a living for her, her children. I think there are five children in the family. And she was trying to provide a living for them. And one day when she was going out to a babysitting job, she was struck and killed on a motorcycle. And so that's how these uh, young people ended up in the orphanage where we met them. And Steve is the oldest. I named him after Steve Sievers, by the way, because he's taller than all the rest of our of our boys, and if you know Steve Sievers, you know he towers above most of us. Um, Steve is currently not living with us in Siem Rip. He is doing a dental training course in Phnom Penh 
the capital of Cambodia, where he's learning how to make dentures in a clinic that is run by an American missionary there. The clinic is actually called the American Dental Clinic. It's run by a Korean-American uh, missionary, and uh, Steve did a, a little examination in the clinic, and they found that he has very strong hand dexterity, and so he's learning how to make uh, dentures down there. And some of you, if you're on our mailing list, you have prayed for Steve recently because he came, he came down with typhoid, and uh, so that was just about a month ago that he came down with typhoid, which um, made him quite sick. He came home to to Simrip to be with Mama and get some TLC and some good food, and he has recovered and has gone back to um, to study in in Phnom Penh. And the study that Steve is doing in Phnom Penh is actually being provided. Uh, the finances are being provided by someone here at Neighborhood Church who has taken his study on and is contributing for that. And so we're very thankful for, for that. Um, next slide, Mark, after the one and only. Yes, I named him after Mark Tyler. Mark um, is 21. He just graduated from high school also, graduated from grade 12. Mark is probably the, um, the boy that I have the most concern about of all of our boys, because he was severely abused when he was a child. His father was an abusive alcoholic, and so his mother put him in the orphanage to get him away from his father. And so there are a lot of emotional wounds that uh, Mark is carrying around. He has a very low self-esteem. Um, he has no self-confidence, and but he loves Jesus. All of our boys love Jesus. They're all followers of Christ. And um, so I would ask that you pray for Mark, that God would encourage him, that God would um, somehow instill in Mark's heart his value, how much he is loved by God and how much he has to offer to the world as, as God reveals his purpose for his life. Mark's um, vocational goal is to become a driver. Um, while I've been here in the States this summer, Mark has started going to driver training and so he's learning how to be a driver. In Cambodia, the only kind of public transportation that you can find is called a tuk-tuk, which is a little wagon, basically, that is pulled by a small motorcycle. And Ruth Dyer, who's here this morning, she's been dragged around in a lot of tuk-tuks and any of the rest of us. We've Mark Tyler rode down the street in Simrip in the back of a tuk-tuk, dressed up like a Buddhist monk in his orange monk attire. I think some of you probably saw those pictures last year. So Mark wants to be a tuk-tuk driver. And after he gets his tuk-tuk and gets, builds up his business, he hopes that he can get a van. And uh, so if you ever come to Simrip and you need a driver to take you around to see the tourist sites in Simrip, Mark will be able to do that. Mark has uh, four younger sisters. And so he has a, a heavy burden. His mother, like mate, our other boy, his mother works in Thailand, and so Mark never sees her, and he's feeling the responsibility to provide for his younger sisters. Uh, so please pray for Mark. All right, our next slide is David. Now, if you look closely at David's face, usually when people meet him, they say, is he Khmer? Is he Cambodian? Because he doesn't look Cambodian. Uh, David is 23 years old, and his father was actually a, an Arab. Um, and so he has an Arab face, if you 
can see that. But he, his mother is Cambodian, and there was a period of time in the early 1990s when, when Cambodia was in the midst of civil war that the UN came in and occupied the country to bring peace. And so it was during that time that his mother, as far as we know, had a one-night stand with a Middle Easterner and conceived, and Mark is her son, uh, uh, sorry, David is her son. And so David grew up with his mother. He's never met his father. He has no idea who his father is. Um, he grew up with his mother until she could no longer provide for him and his siblings and put them in the orphanage, and that's where we met him. Um, David is actually studying to be an auto mechanic. Um, he tried being a driver for a while. He drove for a hotel in Simra, but he didn't like that. And so he said, I want to learn auto mechanics. And by God's provision, there is a new American family that has recently settled in Simrip, and they are Christians, missionaries, and uh, Jamie is opening up an auto shop, repair shop, and he has already taken David on as his apprentice. And so he'll be learning alongside this American Christian auto mechanic, and I'll be getting my, my vehicle repaired in this place, and so it's going to be great. The problem with that, I'll tell you, it's hard. We have this jalopy uh, van, and I mean it's a jalopy van. And the problem with getting it repaired, the, the mechanics are good, but how would you tell someone in another language about your distributor or your alternator or all those other things? I mean, you may know what your problem is, and they may be able to fix your problem, but you don't know how to tell them what your problem is because you don't know that word in their language. Or you take it in and you say, something's wrong with my car. Can you find out what's wrong with it? So they keep it for a few hours, and they call you up and say, okay, I know what's wrong with your car. Great, what is it? And they rattle off something that you've never heard. So they don't know how to say it in English, and we don't know how to say it in, in Cambodian. And so it's kind of a, a risky business taking your car in to get it fixed. So when I heard that there's going to be an American guy who speaks Cambodian fluently who's running an auto shop, I'm like, I'm going to be your first customer. And he's already repaired my air conditioner in my van and got us going, so, so it's going to be great. And we thank God that, that David is going to be able to work alongside him and live in this very stable environment with a guy who can teach him to do what he wants to do. So I, I just continually stand back amazed at how God provides. So that's David. Um. Last but not least, Noel. <laughs> Noel will be four years old in October. And for those of you who don't know, I'll just give you the beef, a brief history of how Noel came into our lives. In 2011, in December, we were still living in the orphanage at that time. And it was December 18th, 2011 in the afternoon, and we were getting ready with all of our kids at the orphanage. We had 50 children at the orphanage. We were getting ready to go to a Christmas party at the church, that we, the Cambodian church that we attended in the village where the orphanage was located. So as we were getting ready to go out the gate, this couple came in, this Cambodian couple came in carrying a baby. And the baby was completely naked from head to toe except for a little green beanie that was on the top of his head. 
And this couple said, um, his parents brought him to us and asked us to watch him, and, but we, and, then they, and they left and they never came back. And so we've had him and he's really sick and we can't take care of him, so we wanted to bring him here to the orphanage and see if you could provide for him. So of course we took him. And so he was very sick. We found out that he was 14 months old. The way we found that out was by taking him to a hospital and it's a long story, but long story short, the, the hospital knew him. They had already taken care of him before. Um, come to find out, he's HIV positive. He was 14 months old at that time and weighed nine pounds. So he was starving. He had a terrible case of diarrhea. They admitted him to the hospital there, um, and he stayed there for 23 days, and my wife stayed with him the whole time because in Cambodia, they don't provide the same kind of nursing care in hospitals that we see here. So the hospitals depend on family and friends to provide care to the patient. And so Crystal was right there beside him along with a couple of gals that were on our staff at the orphanage. So over the course of that time, the hospital nursed him back to relative health. We brought him back to the orphanage. He lived with us in our home where Crystal give, gave him his daily regimen of HIV medication. Um, and over the past, and now, We've had him now for going on uh, almost two years. Uh, he has been our foster child, and uh, he is the epitome of health. If you met him today, you would not know that he was, he does not have AIDS, but he does carry the HIV virus in his blood. But thanks to a hospital, a children's hospital in Simrip that is sponsored by your tax dollars, uh, this hospital is, is sponsored by US Aid. Noel gets his HIV cocktail free of charge. And so his medical care for the entire time that we've had him, even those 23 days that he was hospitalized, has not cost us a penny. And so he's on a very strict regimen of medicine, and Mama Crystal oversees that, that regimen every day as he takes his medicine twice a day. So uh, we can move on to the next slide. This is the day that he came to us uh, at the orphanage. And um, he's covered up with a little Cambodian scarf in that picture. We kept the little beanie that he had on his head that day. And someday we'll tell him, this is all you had when you came to us. Um, let's go on to the next slide. He didn't know how to suck the day that he came to us. He didn't even know how to suck. We had to feed him with a spoon. Um, but this is a picture of him when he was in the hospital in Simrip when he stayed those 23 days. Next slide. And here he is the day that he was discharged from the hospital. From day one, he's been a happy boy. Even when that first day, when he was so weak, he couldn't lift his head off of your chest. He, he had such little strength there at the very beginning, but he would... He would find the strength to smile from the very, very beginning. And that happy spirit continues to, to today. But you can see his, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we can, we can keep going. Mama loves him. She has often said, I never knew that I could love a child so much who was not my own child. We both love him. He's, he's my little boy. He's my pumpkin head. See his little skinny legs? That was at the time that he was being discharged from 
the hospital. And then now, this was like two months later, look at those thunder thighs. <laughs> that was Mama's TLC, that she did that for him. So now, he is a normal, active, happy little boy. And my line that I say to everybody I talk to Noel about is, I now know why God gives children to young people. <laughs> and I know more clearly than I have ever known that I ain't young. <laughs> he is a bundle of energy like any little boy is. That's his posture most of the time. He's upside down or sideways or backward or something all the time, climbing, falling, you name it. But he's the joy of our lives. He, he is um, developing his language skills. He speaks English fluently. Um, he's learning Cambodian. He doesn't like to speak Cambodian. If, you, if our boys speak to him in Cambodian, he will reply to them in English. But we're trying to encourage him to, to, to learn more Cambodian. One of the things that he said was recently, he's, he's realizing that we're different. You know, he's aware that Mama looks different than him and Papa looks different than him. So one day he said, Mama is Chinese. Noel, he always refers to himself as Noel. Noel is Cambodian, and Papa is a white boy. <laughs> I have no clue where he learned that. We don't have a television. Our boys don't know that term, I hope, our older boys. But somewhere he's picked that up. So, um, you know, the kids say the darndest thing and all that. So now Noel is in preschool. He's starting, he's already started actually his second um, semester term of preschool. He's in preschool one. He was in preschool zero before. And so he goes to school uh, three days a week and he loves school. He's loved it from day one. Um, so he's the joy of our lives um, and the center of most of the attention of our family. So that's our family, minus two. There's a picture there. Yeah, minus two, that's our family. And we thank you for praying for us. But our, our ministry expands, extends beyond our family. And so let me just quickly, let me check my time here. Yeah, take you through a little bit of our ministry. The next slide, you may recognize this young lady. She's here today. Ruth, stand up there. Ruth Dyer. Ruth Dyer spent three months with us earlier this year. She came in the hottest season of the year. So she was there in uh, February, March, and April, April, uh, March, April, May, basically. And um, so she did a lot of things with us and with our boys. Um, she helped us out with Noel. She spent lots of time reading with him. She spent lots of time holding him upside down by his heels and swinging him around and singing songs like Let's Get Crazy and stuff like that with him. So we appreciated his help. And Noel grew to love Auntie Ruth. Every time he sees an airplane go over our house now, he says, that's Auntie Ruth. In going, that's the longest trip back to America that you've ever seen. Because every time the plane goes over, Auntie Ruth is in that plane. So we appreciated her help with Ruth, but, uh, with Noel. But that's not all she did. She tutored Ricky. This is Ricky. When he came to us, his English skills were a little bit uh, under what the rest of the boys were, and so Ruth did some one-on-one -on -one tutoring of him to get his English level up to speed. 
Um, she did a reading group with our boys. Most Cambodian young people have never read a book in their life, much less an English book. But our boys have read Treasure Island with Ruth. And so she would get together with them in the evening, and they would go around the, the table, and each of them would take a paragraph or a section of the book, and they read through Treasure Island. And I think we may have the next slide. Um, oh, no, that's not it. She, we had a little award ceremony, and we had certificates for each of the boys that Ruth had signed that they, they completed the reading of Treasure Island. Another big thing that Ruth was involved with, and this was the main project of her time with us, was directing an Easter drama. You may know that Ruth is very much a part of our theater arts ministry here at Neighborhood Church. She played Maria in The Sound of Music a few summers ago here uh, in our summer musical. So she came over along with a script that had been translated from English into Cambodian, and with a translator by her side, she recruited some actors. She trained those actors in the story of Easter, and our boys and others in our Cambodian church were the actors in this uh, Easter drama, and we took it around to villages in the, the Siem Reap area to present the story of Easter. So these people that you see sitting there on the floor, they had never heard the story of Jesus before. This was their first time to hear the gospel, and they heard it and saw it dramatically portrayed to them in their own language. And so, Ruth, we thank her for her hard effort. I watched her. I mean, she's a sweet gal, but boy, when she's a director, she cracks the whip. <laughs> but our boys, they got to see the payoff of hard work and effort, and we, we thank Ruth for, for what she did with that. And hopefully they're going to kind of keep that little drama thing going. <clears throat> All right, next slide. In addition to all that, I teach English in a village outside of Siem Reap to young Cambodian adults, much like our boys, who have all kinds of potential but almost no opportunity. And so we go out to the villages and we teach English and we meet young people who are um, ambitious for their future, have skills to offer, and we want to help them to get into places where those skills can be honed and they can learn about Jesus, they can learn to love Jesus and have a life for themselves in the future. That's teaching English in the village. We attend an international church where there are many missionaries, about 150 on an average Sunday. Missionaries from around the area come together. We have a service in English and I have the privilege of being part of the preaching team and the leadership team in the international church as well. And our boys go because it's a good chance for them to practice their listening in English and interacting with foreigners. This is our Cambodian church um, called Bread of Life that is made up of about 60 to 80 young Cambodian adults who primarily are working in the hospitality industry because tourism is the biggest industry in, in Siem Reap. And so many of these young people work in hotels and the church is there to serve them, to give them a place of fellowship, and to grow their walk with Jesus. So I am the, the main teaching pastor at the Bread of Life Church. And this, I think, may be the, the last slide or possibly the next to last slide. This is the famous Angkor Wat uh, temple complex in Siem Reap. This is the most famous tourist site in Cambodia. If you come to Cambodia, you have to see Angkor Wat. It is the largest active religious building in the world. 
Um, it is a Buddhist temple. It's about five miles from our house. And so if you go there, there will be, 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 there'll be thousands of tourists there, but there are also many people who are actually worshiping um, there at Angkor Wat. So we are on the front line. This Angkor Wat is a 1,000-year-old temple. So for 1,000 years, paganism has had a bastion in Simrit, but the light has come. So we are there as bearers of the light. But the most effective bearers of the light will not be the missionaries. The most effective bearers of the light will be the Cambodian Christians. In China, we have seen the most exponential growth of the church after the missionaries were thrown out. When the missionaries had to leave China because of communism, the church exploded. And now, China has the fastest growing church in the world, and we know about that here at Neighborhood Church. So just like that in Cambodia, as Cambodians come to know the Lord, they will share the love of Jesus with their own country. But the amazing thing to me, and I think this is what really excites me about our ministry, we're working with young people who are interacting with and, and, and in contact with foreign tourists all the time. So there are thousands, tens of thousands of Western tourists that come to Cambodia, many of them from countries like the United States with a Christian heritage, and many of them as nominal believers, these tourists who come to Cambodia, and they meet a Cambodian Christian who is on fire for Jesus, who shares their love for Jesus with this white-faced person or black-faced person or Korean of a Christian background. And these Cambodian Christians become missionaries to foreigners in their own country. So that's what we're doing. We are equipping the next generation for life transformation, that their own lives would be transformed, that the lives of others would be transformed, and that the life of their nation would be transformed. We started with nine boys, and we have a church of about 80 young people, and these are the hope of Cambodia. They are the future of Cambodia, and you guys are enabling us to do it. The goers couldn't go if the senders didn't send. So we just want you to know that we thank you, we are indebted to you, we love you, for what you do in making it possible for us to love these boys, show them Jesus, and see their lives changed. You are welcome to come and visit. We will give you a tour that you will remember for a lifetime. Some of you have already been, and we'd love to see any and many more that would come and visit us and be our guests in Siem Reap. If not, let's hang out on Facebook. You can see our pictures, you can see our videos, all the contact information is in the Mission Center. I'll be over there after the second service today. So if you're still around, come by, get the information, how you can stay in touch with us. And just know that from Crystal, from Mate, from Rod, from Ricky, from Don, from Mark, from Noel, from Steve, and David. I think that's all of them. Thank you for making it possible for us to live and love these young guys in Cambodia. Amen.